right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Close, the New York City Real Estate Podcast. I'm Cooper Knowlton, uh, and today I'm not joined by any of my BFK colleagues. This is a rare one-on-one interview, um, but I am pleased to have uh, Peter Grazioli uh, joining us. Um, Peter is a licensed salesperson with Brown Harris Stevens. Uh, he works between the Bay Ridge and Park Slope office, although he uh, works all over Brooklyn. Um, he does residential as well as commercial sales, as well as leasing. Um, and uh, we're very pleased to have him join us today, uh, largely to help us get a better uh, understanding of the current state of the housing market, the leasing market uh, in New York, and uh, as well as uh, Brooklyn more generally, or more specifically, excuse me. Um, Peter, first off, thanks so much for, for hopping on here. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Um, all right. So Peter, maybe to just dive in, um, we're recording this on, uh, November 17th. I'm assuming we'll release this probably in the next week or so. Um, but I just kind of want to start off by painting a little bit of a picture. Uh, we, you know, I chatted with a lot of people a couple months ago, a lot of real estate professionals over the summer and, uh, the, the, every conversation we had, uh, back in July and August was, you know, talking about how hot the market was in New York city. We were talking about bidding wars all over the place. Uh, people coming in way above asking, um, cash deals, waiving all kinds of contingencies. Um, you know, now again, it's November, mid November. Um, how, how, how does, how does the market look in New York city today? Uh, what's changed? What's still the same? Um, just kind of give us maybe a, a, a broad picture of what the, what the, and let's, let's, I guess, start with just the housing market and the housing sales market. Like what, what, what are you seeing out there, out there today? Um, well, I mean, again, I'm focused on Brooklyn at the moment, but in Brooklyn, it's always kind of a slow and steady, you know, market. There's definitely still inventory issues. So if something is priced right and the quality of the inventory is there, there are still very active buyers out there looking for property. I think in our experience, most of the people who are coming to properties have been looking for a while. They're completely prepared. They've managed to save a little extra in some cases or, you know, have tapped into whatever resources they have, whether it be family or, you know, long-term savings to kind of help them compensate for any kind of, you know, boost in the um, interest rates. But at the same token, they're prepared. So they're not as spooked about the interest rate um, and they're looking for a home. Uh, Definitely the first-time buyers, speculative people, much more cautious um, people are definitely coming out more prepared. I don't feel the frenzy as before. Uh, I think because a lot of people, you know, the money was cheap. And if you wanted to make the move, it made it really easy. Now, I think people, I feel, are a lot more thoughtful about what they're bidding on. They're not as willing to compromise. You know, uh, they want things to be a certain way. And, you know, so therefore, there's definitely a pause in the excitement for um, for what's going on, but there it's definitely still active. Inventory is still very tight, um, and, and people are showing up. I have not. I definitely there are still multiple bids coming in. Whether you would qual- uh, you know qualify it as a bidding war, I don't know. 
I would say it's more the concessions might be winning now uh, as opposed to the actual pricing. But if a property is priced right, people are not shying away. But the days of the days of playing the market a little bit and maybe going a little aggressive has definitely slowed down. Are there are there certain I mean, Brooklyn, there's so many different neighborhoods in Brooklyn. And um, do you see do you see these trends? Uh, what you describe is that is that largely true neighborhood to neighborhood or is that are there specific outliers that like, you know, Park Slope is always going to be Park Slope and have its own um, you know, people are always going to have faith and trust in, in being in, in Park Slope, but that might be less true of some of the places further out. And that was different from the summer or, or, you know, um, yeah, there are, any- definitely, there are definitely, I mean, the market circumstances definitely pushed people further into Brooklyn, you know, which is a normal cycle, you know, it's not like, uh, anything new, <laughs> but definitely first time people to Brooklyn, definitely because of the market considered neighborhoods outside of the known neighborhoods. It's also something that, you know, never really comes up, which I personally feel is a deciding factor for a lot of people. When you're looking at Park Slope, Cobble Hill, Clinton Hill, you know, it's a specific type of inventory. You know, it's a very kind of glamorous inventory. And a lot of first-time buyers are not prepared, nor do they want to take care of a 100-year-old, historic home you know so i think it was always a niche buyer who wants that home or at least in their life had already experienced home ownership or living in a home so those neighborhoods are always going to attract that person you know who wants the house who wants that burden but then you know in new york new york is a very apartment centric community so people who are coming into New York, many of them, their dream is the perfect apartment, you know, where it's a condo or a co-op and they sign their check at the end of the month and they go travel and they don't worry about the, you know, who takes out the garbage. So in Brooklyn, I could definitely tell you there were many times I was standing in front of townhouse purchasers who asked me who takes out the garbage. So, you know they that's out there and and so you know so i think it's neighborhood by neighborhood and if your home buyer and your dream is the home you will push yourself further into brooklyn to get what you want um and you know in, in fair everyone commutes so when they say oh that's too far out you know people buy homes in long island they commute two hours to work by the long island railroad so 40 minutes on a train or an express bus in south brooklyn doesn't sound all that bad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so it really is neighborhood by neighborhood. The further you go out, the inventory changes, you know, dramatically from the brick house to the wood, you know, the wood frame. So each neighborhood has its own little caveat that, you know, some people fall in love with it and some people are like, no, there's not enough trees or I'm not close enough to the water. Or if I'm going to Brooklyn, I want to be, you know, by the park. So, you know, but every neighborhood has a little checkbox for somebody, but yeah. it really is a challenge to educate people on the diversity of Brooklyn's inventory. And, you know, South Brooklyn has really been uh, an 
you know, an off the chart place. So if you didn't know about it and you didn't grow up there and you weren't even, you know, you weren't being dragged back by family, you didn't go there. You know, you passed through it on the way to the airport. You know, that's people's comments about where is that? Oh, is that on the way to the airport? You know, because they got to get JFK or LaGuardia, so they have to touch it somewhere. Um, so there's a lot of education that takes place when you're bringing someone into South Brooklyn if they haven't been or have ties to Brooklyn. And that definitely is, affects. So, so we, we mentioned the, the, obviously the rising interest rates and, and how that's you know, having some effect on the market. And, and presumably that will continue as, as rates are going to remain high, I'm sure, for the foreseeable future. Um, are there any other trends that you're seeing that are shaping buyers and sellers' decisions right now in a in a similar way, or or is it really um, interest rates are kind of the, the 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 story of the month, and and that's kind of the main thing? I think interest rates again. To be clear, where my I'm, I'm drawing my feedback from is what sure. people are saying to me at an open house. You know, we're all right. reading the same yeah. thing. We all read the same blurbs of and course. so on and so forth. But in many cases, you don't see that translate to the conversations people are having when they're standing in their open house. So I, I might come off as sounding naive, but I'm 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 gonna, you know, I'm stepping out of that role for a moment and just being, as you said, conversational of what I'm experiencing yeah. when people are standing in my open houses from Bay Ridge to Park Slope and even Manhattan. And shockingly, the interest rate is not the first topic. Yeah. You know it's there because they will say, well, we've adjusted our price point a little bit to compensate, you know, for X, Y, and Z. But they're still committed to getting a phase of their lives, whether it's been because they expanded their family or because they just decided, you know, we've we've gotten to a point in our careers and we want more space. Or we got to a point where we want a carefree living, so we really want a co-op where we can pay our check, the utilities are done, and we plan to travel. And then the ultimate comes in. We also want something that we can rent when we decide to go on our one month, you know, surfing trip to Costa Rica or whatever, whatever their passion okay. is. You know what I mean? Of course. So I do think when people are looking at inventory, flexibility is a big conversation because they're planning for their future. This is going to be their biggest asset. And they want it to take care of them. You know, someone used to always tell me, take care of your home and it takes care of you. And I think a lot of people in the market, especially if they're engaged with their family, you know, you hear the parents are with them and the parents are saying things like, I bought my house at 17%. Don't worry about it. You know, or I bought my house at whatever it will, you know. So if they have that network around them, their fears are kind of put to rest a little bit. And they're focusing on the, how is this house, my biggest asset going to work for me in the future? And a lot of, you know, well-run co-ops, you know, that offer their people flexibility down the line are very attractive to some people. They don't want to deal with things. Whereas a condo, they have to be a little bit more hands-on or worry about things because they have, you know, responsibility for the mechanics or whatever, however it's structured. So it's just the like the, the the economics are there in the conversation, but I see more of people talking about this long term flexibility and like what's the house going to do for me in ten years when I decide to go X or you know so I I think all of that is playing into people's decisions. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
you, we mentioned at the top that you also do um, some rental, uh, you do some work in the rental market as well. Um, can you maybe just give us a, I, I know that the rental conversation was similar when I was having conversations over the summer, it was, you know, similar conversation about inventory was tight and landlords were raising, were raising prices and, um, it, it, you know, there were bidding wars for, for rental units, right? People yeah. were, people were, uh, you know, coming Absolutely in way above true. the asking price. And I, I wonder if that's, if that's cooled oh, off a bit, uh, again, knowing that your sample sizes are, are many neighborhoods that are also still very, you know, hot um, markets yeah. I mean, in, of, of the state of the economy. Yeah. It, I, but again, the people, I mean, people definitely walked into rentals that I had in Cobble Hill and downtown Brooklyn and, and walked in and immediately offered more because they wanted the apartment. But it was also because the apartment was of a quality. There was something about the apartment. It was unique. It was, you know, it, it goes back to the inventory was just not great. So when you found something great, people were willing to secure it because they were not, they're not looking to move in five years. They wanted, you know, they, they want to be settled and they want something long-term and, you know, things that were of less quality definitely benefited because people were kind of desperate. So if you had a, so-so apartment, you were able to squeeze a little extra money out if it was in the right location. Um, but the apartments that were well cared for and that would come to the market and people walked in and were like, wow, they were gone. But there were apartments that were like, people were picky. They're like, I'm not going to settle for not having, you know, basic things that uh, should be in place for an apartment that that price point. Um, but again, you know, people are prepared and they know what they want. And shockingly, you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of possessions with them. You know, people don't invest in furniture and things. I've seen people leave their entire Ikea on the sidewalk and start fresh, you know, so they don't even worry about moving. You know, they just take their electronics, their clothes and a few boxes of possessions. They don't come with much. So it's easy for them to demand because when they settle in, they're like, you know, that's it. I can move fast. I can be, I'll take the tomorrow. So yeah, the prices did get a little kooky. Um, they definitely found, I think, a plateau, um, but the inventory is still difficult. Like to find a quality landlord and a quality apartment um, is not easy. People are not looking for the grandma apartments anymore where they'll settle for it not being painted or not, you know, you know, the old school Brooklyn apartments are not as appealing. You have young kids making considerable amount of money. They're working from home. So, you know, some of them, or at least part-time at home and they want a nice environment, you know, and they want laundry and they don't, they, they don't want to spend their only day off finding a laundromat. You know, they want some kind of something for their money. Whereas before I think people would tolerate a little more inconvenience um, for a lower rent, but now people are willing to pay a higher rent, but they do want some convenience. Yeah. Are there, you know, having, having been in this space for a few years, are there, are there any neighborhoods that you've seen like rapidly change in terms of, um, the rental market and and that, that like, you know, no one was talking about this, this neighborhood five years ago and now it's like impossible to get a place. Yeah. I mean, just, just go down into Flatbush and there's like, you know, these brand new, beautiful buildings, you know, terraced buildings going up in areas that you're just like. (laughs) <laughs> where did this come from? And people are gravitating to it because there's a lot of people who lived in those 
communities who were kind of suffering through these eh, so-so apartments and this new building comes up and it's got some amenities and a new, got a dishwasher, <laughs> you get a washer and dryer mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm out of here. I can afford to live, you know, I don't want to leave my neighborhood, but I don't have to tolerate, you know, this rundown apartment and put up with my landlord right. not giving me, I hate to use the word respect, but yeah, I'm not like respecting, I'm paying my rent. Like I don't want, you know, an apartment where I can't have a dishwasher anymore. I can afford it. You know, this is what I want. But I, but the concession is they're committed to their neighborhood. Right. You know I mean? It's kind of like that hidden, <laughs> there's, a, there's this little hidden, you know, ecosystem of all these successful people in neighborhoods that they grew up in. They don't want to leave them. But now all of a sudden, if someone offers them a better quality of a living, they're staying and they're moving to the new apartments. Yeah. Interesting. Are there, are there any, and you sort of alluded to this uh, earlier in the conversation, but are there any trends and that, that, that you anticipate uh, either in the, in the sales or rental market um, looking six months out, a year out, um, any specific neighborhoods, any specific like things that you're, you're seeing that you, any, any, any just broad, broad predictions for, for what, how, how, you know, if, if we're chatting again, six months from now, is the conversation relatively similar or do you think anything might be, might be different? No, I think it depends, you know, the, um, you know, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, it's, and everyone, no matter what you say, everyone gravitates to either, you know, likeness or whether it be cultural or the beach, you know, so, you know, areas like the Rockaways, you know, was, you might as well said you were going to, I don't know, Timbuktu, (laughs) you know, and now all of a sudden, People are like, I want to be on the beach. And they're going out to Coney Island and the Rockaways and Seagate, you know. Yeah. Which are these amazing communities all over the water. Right. So, like, I remember, you know, it's terrible, but, you know, my parents, friends, you know, talking about where they lived on the, they called them honeymoon apartments, you know, in the middle of nowhere of Brooklyn, because that's all that was available. And now, mm-hmm. you know, those honeymoon buildings and little cottages are a million dollars on the water in neighborhoods that no one knows about. And then people show up there and they're like, wow, I never knew this was here. You know, so I do think that as the new generation of, you know, whatever is the, the flow of a neighborhood, when the younger generation kind of makes their living, which I think a lot of them will start to crest into these new jobs that, you know, when everyone starts getting out of college and wants to come back home, I do think I see a lot of people moving back to be close to family. So people are a little bit more, I don't want to be isolated anymore. You know, I at least want to be in walking distance or 10 minutes from someone I know, as opposed to, you know, when you're in the 18 to 25 range, you'll live anywhere. (laughs) But then there comes a point where you're like, Oh, what what am I doing? I don't know anybody here. So I do yep. see a lot of people, you know, I see a lot of people empty nesting back to the neighborhoods they grew up in, you know, if there was a, still a connection there. Um, we have a lot of people coming back from the suburbs who are taking like cute apartments close to where they grew up, where they still have some family, where they have some convenience. Um, and there's always that, um, you know, glorious daydream about how I want to be close to Manhattan because I'm going to go to the theater and I'm going to go to the museum. I don't think most people do it, but the fantasy sure. of being back in the mix totally. it brings yep. a lot of people back and the convenience of you know finding a doorman building that you can age into is quite attractive to people you know absolutely 
so yeah. it, it, I think that I don't know. I definitely think economics will play a part of how far people will go. Um, but if the inventory stays low, I think a lot of the outreaching neighborhoods will get, you know, will crest over, like it'll overflow into them more, you know, like, but mm-hmm. Sunset Park, Bay Ridge, even Flatbush, they're incredibly convenient if you know your way around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in Midwood, you know, areas that were kind of forgotten are, right. are, are all back, you know, on the radar and it's really nice inventory. But you want to want you have to want to have that inventory. You know, it, it, you're not going to find a lot of fancy apartments. You know, you'll find two, three family homes, or you know, or a nice four, three bedroom standalone house for under a million dollars with a g- parking spot and a little garage. Hey, yeah, you know what the hell? That's pretty nice. Yeah, I take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time, so I've I've got one more question here for you. Um, uh, do you have any advice for, uh, you know, I guess more specifically for buyers, but also for sellers, people who are thinking about in the next couple months, um, getting into the market, uh, knowing that there's some complicating factors potentially right now, but, um, any, any, any sort of pro tips, any tricks, any, anything that comes to mind, uh, for, for people who are thinking about taking that plunge in the, in the near term future. Well, what I really tell everyone is you have to be prepared. You just have to talk it out. You know, it's very, um, I, I lost the word, but, um, it's, you know, it's very enticing when you're in the process, you know, that emotion of like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in love with this house, which is great that you shouldn't buy a place you don't love or don't feel. But, you know, you got to be prepared. You got to have the, the worst case scenario conversation and you know the mechanical conversation and you really have to look you know say to yourself what do i want like what am i capable of doing like you know and and that's all the factors of looking at a house you know if you have a house that needs a ton of work and you're you know up for it there's you know there's an opportunity but you have to be honest with yourself if i'm not the type of person who takes care of a house do i really want to put myself in this position you know, and maybe I am better off in a co-op or a condo. So it really is, you got to be prepared and you got to run the numbers and you got to really, you know, step back from the, the glamour of or the excitement and make sure that you're buying the right property for yourself. Cause it's not, I don't think it's a, it's definitely not a market where you buy a house in three years, you're going to leave. I think that that gap is over, you know, for sure. a lot. But if I tell, if you're in it for the five to 10 year, and it fits your needs, you can't go wrong. But if you're looking for like a flip and you have that mentality of what was going on years ago, you bought something and you made $100,000 in two years, I think that gap is definitely shrunk. And Makes sense. That, that's not a healthy position. I think home ownership really should be a long-term discussion. But again, anything could happen. But I'm just saying that you have to have that hard conversation. And if you go out prepared and you're comfortable you will see it will unfold before you. If you go out unprepared, you will definitely be side slapped with things after the offers in. I think you have much more buyer's regret, which goes away, <laughs> but yeah. but it's a horrible two week period when you're in it. Yeah, of course. That you should really, it's just, I, I just tell people, you know, just be prepared and, and talk it out, you know, make sure 
you got the right inventory, the right property in mind, and you're realistic because you really don't want to be in Schitt's Creek in three years in, in this market. You, you want to be settled and be happy and know because you can't go wrong. If you're in the right neighborhood and you did the right thing, it's always slow and steady. I don't think you could really yeah. ever go wrong in the investment of, of real estate. But again, if you take care of your house, it'll take care of you. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to a great place to stop. Um, Peter, thank you so much for your time. Is there what what's the best way if someone listening to this wants to get in touch with you? Is there a email, social media? What's the what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, I guess it's uh, my email is pgrazioli at bhsusa.com. And I'm I'm sure I'm on some social site, social media site somewhere. I just don't I just don't right. I don't maintain it as I should. Well, thanks again for your time. This was great. I uh, really appreciate this. And we'll, we'll have to have you back on in a couple months and see where the market is in, uh, in, in mid-2023. Sounds great. Be well. All right. Enjoy the holidays. Thank you, all right. You too. For more on all things real estate and the law, subscribe to this and our other podcasts. Follow Bergstein, Flynn, and Knowlton on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter and go to bfklawoffice.com. That's bfklawoffice.com to learn more.